I'm Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident. Come on in. Hi, thanks again for joining me today. Um, We are already in the midst of the holidays. Uh, Hopefully it's going well for you guys. It's going pretty well for me so far. Although it's a little bit difficult when um, I'm doing things for work and the kids aren't. I really wish that I could just be hanging out with them and enjoying it. But no matter, that is adult life, I guess. Today, I'm going to be talking with you about fostering social connections uh, over the summer holidays. I wanted to talk about fostering social connections rather than developing social skills or providing social opportunities for kids because it's not for me about developing skills but I wanted to talk about ways that you can foster the connection that your kids have with other people or other kids I guess because um, that's what I'm focusing on today. I think It's not about social skill development because um, that's a tricky thing to talk about and think about at the moment with um, neuro-affirming practice, which is generally the idea of meeting your kids where they are and supporting them as they are without um, wanting to change those skills. And um, I do agree with that and see the benefit in it, but I think all kids develop socially. That's the job of kids is to develop as they um, grow older. And so whether you're developing along a typical path or a different path, that doesn't matter. Kids will still be developing socially and um, learning how to do things in more of a mature way as they grow up because all kids follow that path. So for me, it doesn't really matter the path that you're taking and how you're developing social skills. And I'm talking today about fostering connection, which you can do no matter what path your child is on. And so some of the reasons I think it's important to um, develop or not develop, I guess develop relationships um, and foster social connection is because if kids want social connection, it's beneficial for them to have it. Uh, There are links to positive mental health um, by feeling connected to your community and having a few people that you have really strong relationships with. So I'm going to talk about some ways that you can think about fostering that connection over the summer holiday. The first thing is to think about having um, play dates or catch-ups. And that's because it's a great way for your for you to find out who your children want to have a connection with by asking them who they'd like to see. Um, and it gives opportunities that to connect with people um, that might not be there during the school term. So, for example, some kids might connect with younger children or children who don't go to their school, who they know from other places. Um, and 
that's the summer's a really good opportunity to have those connections without adding to the busyness and tiredness of the school terms. The thing also, I think why playdates or catch-ups are so important is that it's good for parents as well. So if there are um, some parents that you can make a connection with, um, especially if your child has a connection with their children, that's a really helpful thing for you as a parent because having social connections for yourself will help your own mental health and, and help you create a village of people whose um, experiences are similar to yours, people who share the same values and that kind of thing. And there can be a lot of um, solidarity in that. So think about who you want to spend time with, who your kids want to spend time with, um, and then make sure you book in some of those things. Why it's important to book them in, I guess, is lots of people have holidays, schedules are all different. So by getting in touch and saying, hey, when can we catch up and scheduling something in, you make sure that you don't run out of time um, for that to happen. I think also um, if there are children from your kids' school who they um, gel with, it can be a really good way of maintaining the connections um, by having catch-ups over the summer holidays so there's not a large break between term four when your kids have played and then term one next year. Sometimes kids who need that familiarity to be able to be um, confident being around and with other kids, that's whether they have anxiety or other challenges. And keeping that familiarity up can mean that then they, that friendship is easier to um, maintain and engage in from school year to school year. Uh, the other thing I like about um, summer holiday opportunities to catch up is that they provide often small group situations or one-on-one -on -one situations which are often easier for kids to handle if they do find other things overwhelming um, whether that's because of autistic burnout and difficulty or the overwhelm of the situation um, anxiety ramps up the bigger the group is so lots of things make it tricky for kids to engage in big group settings uh, and so small catch-ups provide an opportunity with less demand for your kids to be able to interact socially, um, have positive experiences and, and experience all the positive impacts of well-being that come from that. Um, so reduced pressure on children, but also it reduces the pressure on you as an adult as well. If your child is one who can become quickly overwhelmed. Um, it's really tricky in a big group situation to handle that. And so you can feel as a parent pressure to control or regulate your child's behavior um, because of that big group and all those people looking on. Whereas if it's one other parent or two, three, it's easier to kind of manage the situation and explain to them what's happening without that immediate feeling of that social judgment. So smaller groups can be better for kids. They can also be better for you as parents as well to handle and manage. Um, 
And the other thing I guess that's good about a small group is that it's by reducing that pressure, if your child is trying to develop certain skills, um, it's easier to do that in a small environment and that gives opportunity to practice those skills. So whether that's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a social skill, that's not what I'm talking about, but maybe it's managing their emotions in a social setting, or maybe it's advocating for themselves in terms of what they want to play or don't want to play or how they feel. And it's easier for kids to do that when there's less pressure. And so by creating um, experiences and opportunities, um, you, you give your kids more of a chance to be successful in those times and then success builds on itself from that. So that might mean spending time with kids who are like them, or have similar interests to them and being able to navigate the emotional ups and downs that inevitably come from interacting with other people. So then how do you navigate challenges when they come up? Um, that's a really important thing to consider because planning for things can make it much easier to handle them. I talk about often in the big picture, um, with the big picture lens about psychology and behavior, that it's really a lot better to plan and prepare and manage or, or kind of teach kids the skills they need and encourage the positive um, things you want to see and development. That, that's much more important than reacting in the, in the moment to how things happen. So being able to be planned, excuse me, is um, a lot better than just having a go, winging it, and then having to deal with the consequences. But, but having said that, challenges will come up. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm an adult. I've had challenges with people socially, like often. I'm sure you have as well. They come up, it's a natural part of, of life and getting along with other people. So when the challenges come up, I think it's really important to stop and acknowledge your child's feelings first and foremost. Um, and that is a skill that is called active listening. And so it's about acknowledging the feeling that your child has, but also the message of what they're saying. Often it's easier to pick up the message if they're saying things like, it's not fair. Um, you can reflect that back to them by saying, I, I hear you, you're thinking it's not fair. But the next important step is to recognize the emotion in it as well and maybe reflect back that you're angry or you're frustrated. You think it's not fair and you're frustrated. You might get these emotions wrong and that's okay. If your child says, no, I'm not, I'm sad or I'm hurt or something else, that's okay. It's all right to get it wrong because by reflecting back, you're just giving them the opportunity to identify their feeling and talk to you about it. Um, and you're letting them know that their message is valid and that their emotions are valid. The next, um, the next step is to regulate those emotions. Um, until the emotions regulated, you're not going to be able to move into problem solving or moving on from the situation. So in terms of emotional regulation, which I've mentioned before on other episodes. So if you want to hear a deep dive into that, go back into the archives of the podcast. 
but it's important first of all to remember you have to stay regulated as the parent if you don't your child won't um, they need you to keep regulated so that you can help them the second thing is that if your child can't regulate their own emotions independently yet that's okay but know that they will need you to co-regulate for them which means sit with them help them through it coach them through it and then the third thing is that they'll need they'll need some strategies to be able to do this. Ideally ones that you've practiced before so that they work in the moment. And so it might be things like taking a five minute break, taking, um, having a sensory break of going and doing something that calms and regulates the, the sensory system, jumping on a trampoline, sitting in a quiet space, something like that. And then maybe other strategies like using deep breathing, um, positive thinking strategies or, or other strategies that can help regulate the emotions first. The next part you can move on to then is problem solving. Um, and that's another thing that I've talked about in depth um, as well in a previous episode. But essentially then once you've got, you've reflected your child's emotions, they feel calm, um, you can then talk to them about how to solve the problem. What do you want to do? What's the other person expecting? What are you expecting? How can we kind of try to bridge those expectations? Um, and after you've done the problem solving, a lot later on, you can reflect with your child to see if they can recognize why they had um, so much trouble, um, what happened, what led up to it. Was there something that they could do earlier in the process next time? Maybe take a break earlier, ask for help earlier, or talk to an adult earlier um, before they get to that point of being overwhelmed by the problem. That is something, so that's where the learning might come in. It's not gonna come in in the moment because emotions are running high, but you can reflect on that later, maybe in the car on the way home or the next day. Uh, and that's where the learning can come in for kids. Then I wanted to talk a little bit more about reflection in general, in terms of the social interactions um, over the summer break. It provides a really good opportunity for you to talk through with your kids what they, um, what they enjoyed. So who did you enjoy spending time with? What did you enjoy doing? Um, some kids are, you know, wired well I don't want to say they're wired but and we're all like this to some degree there's some people that we enjoy spending time with is what I want to say so sometimes it's sometimes our enjoyment is led by who we were with somebody we liked spending time with we thought they were funny we enjoyed how they did things and sometimes it's about the activity um, and that's a different thing and that's okay sometimes as adults too we have activities we enjoy doing with people it's not so much the people that matter but it's sharing the activity together so you can reflect with your kids about what they enjoyed was it um, particular people was it the activity um, and then talk about the connections as well so who did you really feel a connection with um, who did you feel like you didn't have that connection with 
And I think it's really important to acknowledge that sometimes it's okay not to have that connection with somebody. Um, and by asking then the last bit of reflection with kids, I think is to ask about what would you like to do more of next year or this year, if it's January, when you're talking about that stuff, what would you like to do less of? Uh, who would you like to spend more time with? Who would you be happy to spend less time with? Um, and maybe that's about choosing. If you had to choose who to hang out with, who would it be? And that can let you understand who your children want to spend time with and why, and lets you be more intentional about um, factoring that into 2024. Maybe it's occasionally on the weekends, maybe it's in the school holidays, um, but keeping those connections with people, maybe even in between, it's on messenger kids or, um, I don't know, I probably never recommend Roblox or something chatting like that, but maybe it's on messenger kids where they're hanging out and talking. Um, ways to foster that frequency of connection, like I mentioned before, because then it's a lot easier to hang out socially next time if you've kept that frequency up. And that probably brings me full circle to kind of where I started today in that the point of today's um, podcast is about thinking about how to foster social connection. It doesn't have to look the same as it does for everybody else, um, for you as a parent or for your kids, but thinking and being intentional about what works well for your kids is a great way to foster social connection uh, and in turn foster well-being from that. So maybe there's somebody you can call today and organize a time to catch up for your benefit or for your kids. So have a go at doing that, plan it in and think about um, what you can do to make it a success and then reflect with your kids afterwards. Um, wishing you a lot of social connection and happiness over the holidays. It is the time where, you know, to focus on relationships and the gratitude we feel about some of them. So I wish you well and happiness and connection and look forward to uh, joining you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parent Like a Psychologist. If you found it helpful, please share on Instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at Leanne Psychology so that I can say a big thank you. Head over to leannetran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox. I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.